You're listening to True North with Pastor Gary Cottle of Gary Cottle Ministries on today's edition. And there as people gathered around them in that town and souls began to tremble under Holy Ghost conviction and trust Christ as their Savior. While they were in there talking about how to win people to Christ, Charles Haddon Spurgeon was just out there doing it. We'd sit here and talk about how that we should do this all day long. Now, how, how that we should talk about doing that. And if we've never learned how to get beyond the talk, then we're no further ahead than we've ever been. I say it's time to stop talking and start walking. Serving the Lord is not for the faint of heart. There are risks involved, money to be donated, time spent, and oppositional individuals to contend with. But as Pastor Gary shares in his message, this is what you've been called to do. The Lord calls you into obedience. This is doing what God says to do when God says to do it and how He says to do it. The outcomes and benefits of obedience are well worth the risks involved. So if you've lost your zeal for the Lord, call upon Him today. Now here's Pastor Gary in the book of Nehemiah chapter 4 as he continues his message, Dealing with Hindrances. So we must be willing to count the cost, take up our cross, there's the risk, and follow Jesus. Whatever God leads us to do. So now Lord, I understand that there are certain complications that we may acquire just as a result of doing something different, just as a result of reaching out and making a difference in other people's lives. But Lord, it's, will, it's worth the risk if, if, we, if we do it for you and we pray for your protection. It's worth the risk. Amen. I'm thankful for people that took a risk for me. People that reached out to my family I lived in the family of a drunk, a father who was a drunk and a mother who had mental problems. And uh, the average church looked at our family and said, well, they're not worth reaching out to. They'll never change. But there were some that took a risk, come loved on us anyway. They'd bring us Christmas when we didn't have no Christmas money. They would come visit us when nobody else would visit us. And I thank God that somebody took a risk, took a gamble, that their efforts might go in vain, but it was worth trying anyway. Some of us don't reach out to others because we assume that our efforts will make no difference and so we're not willing to uh, put forth the effort because we're going to think that our effort is in vain. Let God decide whether the effort is in vain. You just do it. It's better to try and fail than to not try at all. I'd rather die knowing that I tried miserably to serve God and failed than to, 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 than to say that I sit down and didn't try to do anything for God. Take some risks. Be wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. If you'll do that, God will help you. God will help you overcome obstacles and hindrances that are coming your way. So if you're trying to do something for God, don't be surprised at the naysayers, the people that say it can't be done, the people that say it won't be done, the people that say it shouldn't be done. All those are just weaknesses that the devil's trying to hit you in your weak spots, and you've got to decide, number one, did I hear the voice of God? And if I did, number two, am I willing to obey it at all costs? Now, if God ain't told you to do something, don't do it. 
But if it's in this Bible and if the Holy Spirit has convinced you that you have an assignment, you best get about your father's business or you will suffer. You'll suffer more as a result of not doing something for God than you would doing it for God. You know, it's amazing to me. Prophet Jeremiah, he, he was given the assignment of preaching judgment to the nation of Israel. And he didn't have no sugar sticks to hand out. He didn't have no sweet sermons that we could all go home and smile about. Every time he stood and preached, it was judgment. Judgment is coming. Judgment is coming. He didn't even give him a space to repent. He said judgment's inevitable. I mean, it was just a, it was just a tough ministry. Didn't have no good news to share. <laughs> just judgment is coming. And, and one day he got so tired of having to preach that and getting the criticism that came from it. that He said, you know what, I will mention his name no more. But then the Bible says something very interesting. It says, but it was like a fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing. In other words, the burden of not preaching became greater than the burden of preaching. And I'm telling you today, the burden of not serving God will become greater than the burden of serving Him. You think you've got a bad servant Jesus? Try not serving Him and be His. If you're His and you don't serve Him, it's going to get worse. How many times will we have to bow our head on Judgment Day when God said, I told you to do this, but you did nothing? I would rather take some risk and obey God and know that on Judgment Day I did my best to serve Him than to assume no risk and have an easy life. And face the Lord with nothing to show from my life. Talking about dealing with hindrances. How are you going to deal with them? You're going to have to recognize your vulnerabilities. And learn to listen to the voice of the Spirit in your life. Number two. Not only should we recognize our vulnerabilities. But we should recapture our vision. We're going into a new year. But we've got to recapture our vision. We've got to listen to the voice of the truth, which tells us that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Are you listening? We can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Philippians 4.13, look it up. Galatians 5.10 says, I have confidence in you through the Lord that you will be none otherwise minded. Let me say this, those who say it can't be done should not interrupt those doing it. Amen. Uh, when I d- decided to serve God, I decided at some point in my journey that I didn't have time to waste listening to the people that says I can't do what I'm already doing. So you can't do that. What do you mean I can't do it? I'm already doing it. So while you're saying I can't, I'm just doing it. Are you listening? I, I got a question for you. Are you going to be a sponge that listens to the doubt and confusion and chaos that's crippled most every church in America? Or are you going to be the sponge that soaks in the truth of the Word of God that equips us and enables us to serve Him to our fullest capacity? Garbage in, garbage out. You just have to decide what you're going to believe and what you're going to listen to. And if you've got a negative voice in your life, may I make a suggestion for you. If they don't shut up, walk away from them. Amen. If they don't do you the favor of shutting up, then walk out of their life. You don't need a negative voice to destroy what God is trying to build in your life and in your ministry. You've got to recapture your vision. 
Without a vision, the people perish. Vision is very powerful because it is a forecast of things to come. It is the belief that my tomorrow can be better than my yesterday or my today. And the Bible encourages us to have vision. To, uh, what is vision? In, in our terms today, to help you break it down, the word vision, it's, it's nothing spooky or mystical. It's just, it's just picturing a better day for yourself. Picturing a better day like to see it done as far as its effectiveness in reaching people with the gospel of Jesus Christ, what would we envision? How would we picture the church doing better and doing more than it's ever done before? Then that's what we should set our aim on. That's what we should set our focus on. Not so much looking at the past because the past is not visionary. The past is just celebrating what has been. But that's not going to help you launch into the future. You've got to set your mind on something that you can grasp. Amen. And you've got to set your goals and you've got to go for it. We as a church cannot do this without each other. We've all got to be on board. We've got to be willing to do what it takes to seize the vision. I envision a full sanctuary. I envision people getting saved left and right. I envision having baptism every Sunday. I envision people so hungry for the Word of God that they'll come even if it's standing room only just to hear the Word of God preached because so few people are doing it anymore. That's what I envision. You say, that's crazy. Well, I'm not listening to you. Amen. I'm, not lis- I'm, I'm listening to what I envision. Do you think God is disturbed by me having a dream and having a goal and having a vision like that that would bring honor to His name? I think not. We've got to get our vision back. And if you haven't envisioned that, you're looking in the past, not the future. What you're picturing is what has been. You're not picturing what could be. And I'm challenging this church to start picturing what can be and not what has been. Because as long as you don't picture what can be, you'll not strive for it. You'll not be motivated to do anything about it. And so we live in the past and we pull out our old photo albums and we celebrate yesteryear and then we die and we have no one to carry the torch in the future generations. And that's how churches today are closing their doors. The young are grown and gone. The old are just about dead. And there's nobody to take the place of the old man of God because we have lost our vision. We're so stirred up over what has been and how we wish it could be like it used to be and God is trying to launch us forth into our future and say don't worry about yesterday I can do a new thing for this generation you've got to get a vision I'm not talking about throwing out truth amen I'm not talking about changing things and making things unbiblical I'm not talking about adopting vain philosophies of men I'm just talking about getting a vision the same truth that helped this church succeed in yesteryear is, a, is the same truth that can help us grasp a hold of a new vision for today. And I'm not going to be satisfied with the status quo. And you've got to make that determination. You've got to recapture your vision. What kind of a vision do you have for this church? In order to recapture your vision, you've got to reposition yourself. Verse 13, Therefore set I in the lower places behind the wall, and on the higher places I even set the people after their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. They positioned themselves for victory. 
So you've got to reposition yourself. You've got to make adjustments. You've got to figure out where you've been wrong and, fi- and, and, make, and make a confession to God and, and to God's people if you have to. But make the necessary adjustments to get yourself positioned for victory. And the second thing you've got to do in order to uh, recapture your vision is you've got to remember the Lord. This is a very important part. Verse 14, And I looked and rose up and said to the nobles and to the rulers and to the rest of the people, Be not ye afraid of them. Remember the Lord, which is great and terrible. In other words, let's not forget the Lord in this equation. The Lord built the house. They labor in vain that build it. We can sit around and listen to all the naysayers and forget what the Lord has said very easily. It takes a man of vision and courage and boldness to say, you know what, there might be some risks. You know what, it may cost us more money than we wish it cost us. You know what, it might require more time than I have to spend. But it's worth the risk, so I'm going to listen to what God is leading me to do and not listen to any other voice in my life. If you'll do that, you can recapture your vision. And then you've got to reunite with your purpose. Obedience is doing what God says to do, when God says to do it, and how God says to do it with a proper attitude. That's worth repeating again. I'll say it again in case you're taking notes. Obedience is doing what God says, when God says, how God says, with a proper attitude. Verse 14, last half says, I will remember the Lord and fight for your brethren, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your houses. What is at stake, church? We've got to reunite with our purpose. Why are we here? What are we doing here? It's for our wives. Amen. It's our, for our brethren. It's for our sons, our daughters and our houses. It's for this land. It's for souls of men. We have a purpose. And we should be passionate about that. If we'll do this, we'll... We'll recapture our vision. Biblical obedience is putting your faith into shoe leather. I don't pray that God will just stir our hearts, but I also pray that God will move our feet. James 2.18 says, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. In other words, I see you. I hear you talking, but I'll be walking. We can become great orators of the faith and talk about great things and be high and lofty in our conversations and so good at talking that we forgot about what it means to do what we're talking about. I'd rather somebody not tell me what their plans are and just do it as opposed to telling me what they're planning on doing and never get it done. Don't tell me, show me. That's what God is saying. Don't tell me what you're going to do for me. Show me. Don't tell the preacher what you plan on doing next year. Just do it. Be real. Be genuine. Be authentic. Get you some vision. If this kind of preaching makes you uncomfortable, join the club. Amen. Makes me uncomfortable too. Because I have to look in the same mirror of the Word of God as you do. I have to respond to the same holy God that you do. So in order to deal with hindrances, you've got to recognize your vulnerability. You've got to recapture your vision. And let me close with this one. You've got to realize your victory. You've got to bring it 
into reality. Galatians 5.10, But he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. Let God worry about those people that talk about you. Let God worry about those people that say it can't be done. You're not going to win arguing with them anyway. They've been arguing their whole life and you're not going to change their opinion now. Just let them run their mouth and you go on about your business serving God anyway. Amen. That's what you got to do because there's going to be some people that just make it their hobby to yap and talk. Let them yap. Let them talk. Don't even, don't even challenge them. Just let them and just ignore them and serve God. That's what you got to do. I have decided that I'm going to serve God. And I want to lead this church the best I can, the way I feel like God's leading this church. And some people will talk about it, and that's fine. That's fine. Talk about it all you want to. But as long as God's telling me to do something, that's the way I'm going to encourage the church to go. Amen. And you've got to decide, are you going to listen to the voices of negativity, the voices of doubt, the voices of confusion, or are you going to try to follow the man of God and follow the Word of God as the man of God follows the Word of God. Amen? Realize your victory. Follow God's chosen leader. That's one of the ways that you realize your victory. In our text, verse 15, it came to pass when our enemies heard it, it was known unto us, and God had brought their counsel to naught, that we returned all of us to the wall, everyone unto his work. Isn't it amazing how God can bring down the counsel of the enemy? And I'm just going to say this, and I know it sounds like I'm being an advocate for myself, but I'm not. I have to preach this truth whether I'm a pastor or not. But, the, but you do well to listen to those spiritual leaders that God has allowed you to cross paths with, especially your pastor, if he has a heart for God. It's a biblical principle. And then I want to say this. Not only should you follow God's chosen leader, but you should focus with resolve. I don't think that this church is guilty of this, but I've known many churches who prayed for a leader until they got one, then they wished they didn't have him because they didn't really know what they was asking for. God forbid it to be so here. But we need to focus with resolve. Never again listen to any other voice but the voice of truth. Verse 16, It came to pass from that time forth that the half of my servants wrought in the work and the other half of them held both the spears and shields and bows and habergens and the rulers were behind all the house of Judah. In other words, they went from being complacent and quiet and non-abruptive and innovative. In other words, just lame Crippled, to mobilized, to powerful, to unified, to focused, to making a difference. Because they got focused and they had resolve. One of the reasons many Christians don't accomplish anything for God is because they have no resolve in their soul. The first sign of trouble and they're out. No resolve. But I'm looking for some tenacious, resolved individuals God's looking for some that will say like Job did though he slay me yet will I trust in him in other words come hell or high water and even if it takes me to my grave I'm going to be faithful serving God 
Realize your victory. And you've got to fight to the finish to realize your victory. Do what others say can't be done for God. Charles Haddon Spurgeon was invited to a soul winning conference one time in his ministry, I'm told. And it was packed out. Thousands of people, you couldn't fit them all in. While he's in there studying on how to win souls, Charles Spurgeon chose rather to set up a little prop and stand up on top of it at a street corner and preach the Word of God. And there as people gathered around him in that town and souls began to tremble under Holy Ghost conviction and trust Christ as their Savior, while they were in there talking about how to win people to Christ, Charles had a Spurgeon was just out there doing it. We sit here and talk about how that we should do this all day long. And how, how that we should talk about doing that. And if we've never learned how to get beyond the talk, then we're no further ahead than we've ever been. I say it's time to stop talking and start walking. If you've got an idea for this church, let's talk about it. Let's put shoe leather to it. Let's make it happen. Glory to God. I'm ready. If you've got a better idea than me, then I'll listen to you. And I'll consider it. And I'll probably jump right in with you. I thank God for people that have some fire about them and want to do something for God. And before you go to criticizing people for doing something, why don't you just consider, you know, they are doing something. Amen. What are you doing? Criticizing? Complaining? Casting doubt and fear? Or gaining up courage to do something for God yourself? Hebrews 12, 2 through 4, the Bible says this. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, listen to this, this is very powerful, who for the joy that was set before him, what joy? The joy of the cross? No, he was looking beyond the cross. He was looking at what the cross would pay for. He was looking at the cro- what the cross would make possible, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. He didn't even enjoy it. He didn't even really want to be there, but his love for us was stronger than, than, than his self-happiness. Amen. And so he endured the cross. He despised the shame. And the Bible says he's now set down at the right hand of the throne of God for consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself lest you be wearied and faint in your minds you have not yet resisted unto blood striving against sin in other words what are you complaining about look what Jesus did for you we've got to have a reality check sometimes and I'm praying that God will blow it out and just, just, just show up and show out I'm praying that God will do things that will blow our minds around here. I'm praying that souls will be saved, uh, lives will be turned upside down for the glory of God, that families will be put back together. I'm praying that God will just show up and show out, but I'm praying that God will help this church to catch the vision and get behind it. Looking unto Jesus. So what are we really, what is our excuses? We've got to lay those excuses aside. 2 Timothy 4, 7-8, I have fought a good fight. This is what we ought to strive for. This, this ought to be what we should try to live for so that we can be worthy of it being put on, on, on our tombstone when we die. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me at that day and not to me only, but unto all them also that, that love His appearing. Paul said to Timothy, he said, that, that crown's not just for me. You can get it too. 
So what about it? Have you been hindered? Get some resolve. Recapture your vision. Recognize your vulnerabilities. And realize your victory. Go for it. Don't hold nothing back. Pull out all stops. All hesitations. All the things that have talked you out of it. It's time to rid yourself of everything that has stopped you and hindered you. And go for God. And let's make the devil mad. Amen. Today's teaching is coming to an end, but you don't have to stop studying God's Word. Here at True North, we encourage all of our listeners to dive into Scripture regularly on your own. As you do, ask the Holy Spirit to guide your reading and reveal God's truth to you. Thanks for joining Pastor Gary Cottle today for True North. Don't forget to subscribe so you never miss a new edition. If you'd like to learn more about True North or Pastor Gary, visit GaryCoddle.com. Would you like to plan a visit to worship and study the Bible with Pastor Gary? You can find all the information you need about where he pastors and how you can visit at GaryCoddle.com. If you're not in the area, we do encourage you to find and begin attending a Bible-teaching church near you. Find a family of faith that you can invest in and who will encourage you in your own walk with the Lord. If you have any questions or would like to find out how you can support Gary Cottle Ministries and True North, please reach out to Pastor Gary. He can be reached at contact at garycoddle.com. That's contact at gary, C-A-U-D-I-L-L.com. That's all for today. Join us next time for more right here on True North.